I'm Jamie, welcome to Dragon Picks the Podcast. Where I pick the podcast. And I shut my cake off. And Jamie didn't prepare for No, I completely forgot what this entire episode was about. Just then I was like, what what is relevant to this episode? Like what voice can I put on? Like what act because you know, like my middle name is at this point commit to the beer. So like <laughs> You gotta commit and today you committed to forgetting. And you know what? Yeah. We respect that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for a refresher. Today's episode is titled Death Takes a Holiday. It is season four, episode 15. Jamie's eyes just lit up as she remembered remember what we're talking about. <laughs> and so now that you remember, yeah. what did you think? Okay, I want to start like right out the gate mm-hmm. and just say there is a significant difference between taking a holiday and getting <laughs> kidnapped. Yeah. I mean, like I was kind of spot on with my prediction, like just a little bit. Like, yeah. People yeah. aren't dying because there's no reapers. Yeah. Which... I'm going to get into it in a half a second. Okay. But. You seem like you have a lot to say. And I'm I have a lot to say. I'm just getting all my logistics stuff up, off the top. Sounds Off my chest, right at the top of the episode. <laughs> We're dealing with it all right now. I'm okay. not putting it off. But like, there is like, there is a substantial difference between taking a holiday and getting kidnapped. Yeah. Vastly different. Yeah. I Look, I don't think, I don't think we need to elaborate on the differences there. No. I feel like they're pretty self-explanatory. But yes, no, they certainly weren't they weren't on like voluntary vacation time. No, no. Absolutely not. Okay, so now my logistics things for this episode is Yes. I don't understand why no reapers means no one dies. Because the purpose of reapers, from what I can tell, is not to actually like finalize the death process, but to stop spirits from lingering. Hmm. I understand the thought process. I think it is a little more complicated than that. And this is just my thoughts. I don't think that we ever get a final, like, explanation about it that I can remember at any point in the show. Maybe there's, like, they give the Reapers more lore later on that, like, makes sense and explains why, like, this is the case. But, like, based on what they've told me, I would not expect it to stop people from dying. Yeah. I would have expected there to just be a shit ton of ghosts. ghosts. Because, like, we do see that, like, like Tessa has the conversation with Dean as he's on the brink of death to, like, sort of pass him straight on over to the, the, other, side. the other side. But then, like, you also see, like, they had characters who were dead. Like, the what, the man they talk about who was terminally ill with cancer, mm-hmm. who was just suddenly not dead anymore. Yeah. It's like, well, if he was already dead, then why would a reaper being there are not necessarily stopping from dying because we do see that sometimes like the reapers for whatever reason they can't help the spirit move on i wonder if and the people still die like it's just i wonder if it's a case of so with dean obviously up until this episode he had completely forgotten about tessa like yeah. there was he truly did not recollect that entire experience of 201 when he came back into his body. Yeah. I'm wondering if maybe it's the same. Like, maybe Cole had already had that discussion with the Reaper, and the Reaper had was in the process of taking his soul in yeah. as it got kidnapped, and then Cole was left behind, yeah. but with no memory of the discussion. Yeah. Like, I wonder if that was it. Like, he'd had the discussion while he was still technically, his body was still alive, but then he's made the decision to leave. And Either then that the Reaper or Cole decided to stay. Either that or Cole like in decided the first to stay. discussion with the Reaper, Cole decided to stay. Yeah, which meant that which would make sense. The Reaper's job was done, and then as the Reaper was leaving or whatever, it like got that's kidnapped. when it was kidnapped. Yeah, and actually, well, Cole does say that he saw the smoke at his funeral, which would have been days yeah. at least after he actually yeah. died. So I wonder if maybe the Reaper was just sort of keeping an eye out in case Cole decided to change his mind or yeah. something along those lines. Um, and then so the the smoke or the demon or Alistair, I guess we know it was Alistair or it was likely to be Alistair has come back. Um, but it was Alistair or one of his minions. One of his minions. Yes. Which I would like to say I'm still in the market for some minions. So (laughs) we're going to put an ad up on seek. Yeah. Like (laughs) job applications. What kind of skills are you looking for in your minions? Preferably being able to brainwash me. So I never have to remember anything about supernatural. So hypnosis. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. If you're a hypnotist, Send your resume our way. <laughs> Did you have any other points about the Reapers and their lore? I don't think I have anything more to contribute to the conversation. Like, I can't think of anything that yeah. helps from future context. Even if like, we learn more about Reapers and, and death and that whole sort of concept yeah. as we go through. But I can't think of anything that would help explain this. At yeah. least on, like, a nitty-gritty nuts and bolts sort of level. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nothing comes to... 
mine specifically. And if if I'm wrong, if there is something that's non-spoilery that we can use to enlighten this conversation, please let us know on Discord, Twitter, Tumblr, anywhere in the links below. I do love, though, that we get confirmation that Tessa is the Reaper they call in when everything's going to shit. Yeah. <laughs> adds, like, no, a like, special sort of, like, je ne sais quoi to knowing that she was the one they sent to reap Dean Winchester. Dean Winchester. Although, I wonder if she was already in the hospital by happenstance. Like, I want, like, she could have already been there, I guess, mm. but it is more fun if they were like, this one's gonna be a shit, Tessa, <laughs> it's on you. Because also, I'd assume that in, like, places where a lot of people die, they'll ha- they would have more than one, like, Reaper. Yeah, like because like one one reaper can't do it all. Like they should unionize. Yeah. <laughs> if they're expected to like reap for an entire goddamn hospital, they should unionize. You know how is it fair for one dude to be the reaper for an entire town where a person dies like maybe once every four days, mm. compared to being in like a hospital where somebody's dying every couple hours. Every couple hours, like I love that you're fully going on reaper workers' rights strike action, like. <laughs> Well, they don't even get fucking holidays. We had a <laughs> mid opportunity, <laughs> and they didn't. You have to start a, a movement on Twitter. Though I do, I do think it's really interesting though that like this episode, you've got the two reapers again, and it's sort of like, do reapers come in like two forms? Is it either a creepy old man, a creepy or old man in a suit, or Tessa? Like, are they? Oh, we did get we did get the uh, oh my parents of Hannah's favorite character, creepy old Reaper man. I don't think it's the same guy. No, but I was like, imagine the layers. Yeah, <laughs> if the, the 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 Reaper and this is the same Reaper as in fate. Yeah, like, I did think it was hilarious when the they said that that was their favorite character because I was thinking about how this was the next episode. I was like, damn, we should have had them on <laughs> full fifteen instead. But yes, if it was the same Reaper. That would be fascinating. The layers. The layers there. Which, while we're talking about Faith, (laughs) the episode, uh, maybe let's talk about Faith, the concept, because there is a lot in this episode. Uh, Oh, also, before we get too far into the topic, I do want to quickly acknowledge this is a Jeremy Carver episode. I I do want to know, because we had a bit of a joke. We had a bit of a giggle about how Jeremy Carver hates Sam, seemingly. And I do... (laughs) Jamie's making some faces. I, I'm so interested to Suddenly hear Suddenly so much about this episode makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> See, this is why you have to pay attention to the writers. I know it seems absurd. I know it doesn't matter for any other show, but with this one, it actually does. I'm sorry, but is Jeremy Carver as a dingo a hot take? <laughs> I actually don't know. <laughs> but it, it does seem like... Because, like, look, I, I understand, like, writers probably have, like... A character that they prefer to write for. Like, yeah. that happens... We've all got our blobos. We've, everyone's got their blobos. And some people, like... I know, when I'm writing, like, I, I just wrote a Meg fanfic. And one of the reasons I wrote a Meg fanfic... Jamie did. Was it was wonderful. Because I understood the character well enough. And it's really easy to write from, like, a Meg perspective for, from, for me. Because yeah. I'm interested in the character. You're a Meg stand for life. Like, I'm a Meg stand for life. We'll put the you link know, in the description. You know, like, there's a reason I didn't write a Dean fanfic. Like, yeah, despite the fact, if, if, like, if for it to be a true birthday gift for you, it probably <laughs> should have been a Dean fan. No, the main you know thing I mean? was wonderful. The, <laughs> the whole thing is a delight. You know what I mean? Like, so it's like, so I, I know I chose, like, and when, like, and when I write fanfic for other fandoms, I know I write sort of at least vaguely from the point of view of the characters that are easier to write for. And I know, like, I've got a fic that's, like, split point of view and it sort of flips flip-flops to, like, one person's version of it and then the other person's version of it. Mm-hmm. It's not completed. I should probably finish that. But <laughs> I, I definitely know. Like, there is, like, half the chapters are easier right to write than the other half just because of, like, the character perspective. So it's like, look, I'm not accusing Jeremy Carver of being bad at his job. But, like, <laughs> also, it definitely seems like he finds it way easier to write for Dean. And so he just, like, sort of finds an excuse to not have Sam in half of the episode. <laughs> It's not as starkly no. obvious in this episode by half. No, because the last one was what um in the beginning. Yeah. Whereas literally like Sam was just not there. Sam was there for the five <laughs> minutes at the start, and that was it. Like Yeah, and the whole time everything we knew about Sam was that he was up to no good. And then this episode The whole thing that we know about Sam is that he's up, up to no good. good. Yeah. And also he's getting weirdly good at lying. Mm-hmm. 
Sam, I really want to take you back to season one for a hot second. Yeah. Remember Baby Sam? Close your eyes and imagine Stanford, Baby Sam, terrible Justin Bieber haircut. And his whole thing was like, we just tell them the truth. We'll just tell them the truth. We'll be upfront and honest with them and they'll, you know. That was his go-to move. Yeah. And Sam And Dean was like, yeah, no, that's a bad idea because they're not going to believe you and then it's going to crash and burn and then we meet Cassie and we're like, oh yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Sam, tell the truth, Winchester, is fucking dead and buried at this point. We are now in the Sam, I'm going to lie through my fucking teeth as long as it gets me what I want, Winchester era. I don't think he tells the truth once in this entire fucking episode. Sam is ruby-coated. Or I don't know if he's technically ruby-coated or if he's just demon-coated at this mm. point. It's a bit a bit of a grey area. I mean, we do get an episode where he's literally Meg-coated, so almost born under a bad sign. Stand <laughs> But like you yeah, know, like it's 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 really interesting because he's he's becoming more and more like the demons that he claims to hate. Yeah, yeah. And we do get the line from Pamela in this episode. <laughs> what was that? I don't know. I was like, Pamela. Do we just call her Pam? I went to just call her Pam. I'm like, that's kind of weird. Like, is she ever referred to as just Pam? I think in fic, I've definitely seen her referred to as Pam. I think in the show, I mean, she's dead now, so I'm pretty sure right, we only. Pam. I think she's pretty much Pamela okay. only. Yeah. yeah, well that that was that was what that was. Pamela's like, no matter what you think your intentions are, doesn't matter. Yeah, the actual quote is I know what you did to that demon, Sam. I can feel what's inside of you. If you think you have good intentions, think again. And that's literally her dying words. Jamie's having a facial journey right now. <laughs> the eyebrows are moving. I don't think this is what's gonna be like happening okay this isn't canon this is this isn't canon this is just like a fun thought fun thought just the wording of that Mm. what if sam is already possessed at this point Ooh, sam's not sam sam's not sam interesting is that okay let's talk about sam let's dive in because there is a lot like as much as we joke about jeremy carver hating sam like there is this episode did it like gave us more sam than the last one yes Let's do a quick rundown of the evidence. He is clearly lying through his teeth. Yeah. There are multiple examples of that through the episode. I'm sure they will come up as yeah. we go. He is also impervious to Alastair. Now, yes, much more than last time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which Dean points out as yeah. well. And he says to him, like, mm, he flung you pretty good last time. Like, what's changed? And mind you, that was only, like, what, 409, 410? Yeah. So that's only like four or five episodes ago. Which like for them not... in spans of time is like a month. Yeah. Yeah. So what's he done in the last month since then mm-hmm. that has meant that he can now no longer be flung across the room? And yeah. I would like to posit Sam is very stabbable. Yeah. Stop <laughs> trying to flink him. Just send a knife at him. Here's the other thing. Because I, I agree with that. Sam is stabbable. We have empirical evidence to support this. It could kill him. Yeah. I want to point out that not only is Sam now so strong that he is impervious to being thrown, yeah. but he threw Alistair. Yeah. And that also, Alistair is not just your fucking run-of-the-mill demon. Alistair is, like, a big fucking deal. What's he done in the last month that meant, has meant that he's now no longer getting thrown around like a ragdoll? I posited, like, episode ago. Maybe... Ruby's trying to sort of like push him into becoming the perfect vessel. Yeah. For a demon. Mm-hmm. Because like our Spider-Man demon possession theory. Yeah. <laughs> Very typical. That demons can like they inherit all the powers of their vessel. Mm-hmm. So like if your vessel can do something, you can do something. Yeah. Like beyond what you could do if you were just like a regular ordinary joke. To add to this theory, actually, we I just realized we got some supporting evidence. Because when Sam is astral projecting, he can't use his, like, psychic whatever when Alistair confronts them. And Alistair actually makes the point, it's hard to, like, get it up when you're out of your meat suit. Yeah. Implying that he has to be in his body. There is something about the meat suit. Yeah. And also, if you're a demon outside of a vessel... You're just smoke. Like, you yeah. can't really do... You can do stuff, but you can't do the same things you can do when you're in a vessel. So yeah. that actually does support the theory that the demon can use the abilities and skills of the vessel. So, yeah. So, like, what if, like, Ruby had at least semi-met her goal? Mm. As they're like, now, fuck, I'm going to possess Sam for a bit. So now Sam's Ruby. Oh, so it's Ruby Sam. Yeah. 
plot twist, backstab, like betrayal. Mm. 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 Well, actually, we haven't seen Ruby. Yeah. This episode. So, and he didn't even talk to her this episode that yeah. we saw. So that's, I mean, it's entirely plausible, I suppose. While we are talking about Sam, I do want to point out that when they were doing their, like, ghost training boot camp yeah. with Cole, Sam was fully going to punch that kid in the face. Like, <laughs> like... Dean was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And the kid yeah. like, beat him up. Turned to Sam. Sam's like, I'm not going to do that. And then he, it only took him being taunted twice before Sam was like, fuck this, and was going to sock that child in the face. That's one hell of a turnaround. I do really quickly want to mention that Alistair. Alistair is uh, a demon that, kind of like Yellow Eyes, that is played by a couple of different actors. We've already yeah. seen him played by a couple of different actors at this point. I really appreciate that I think each actor who portrays him does a really good job of making it clear that it's the same character, just in a different body. I think Mm. it's very clear when it is Alistair versus when it's another demon or another character. And I do really love the second actor who portrays him, who I'm pretty sure is the actor who continues to portray him for the majority of time that he is on screen from this point. Um... And he has such a he has such a unique speech pattern and voice, and I think that it really like solidifies him as such a easily identifiable and like iconic sort of facet. Like he's a very he's a villain who is really easy to remember because he has such unique a uh, such a unique voice and such a unique way of speaking, and it feels so predatory. Like particularly when he speaks to Dean. It's just everything is just so like predatory is the only like word that I can think to use. Like when he's like, it's good to see you again, Dean. Like it just, it's so like, it's icky. It's horrible. I hate it. But like, that's what makes it good. You know, I think he's a very effective villain. I don't know. I wasn't in love with it, but maybe it will grow on me. Yeah. It just sort of annoyed me, but his voice. Yeah. Yeah, I can understand it. I can see how it's like a little bit grating, but for me, like that adds to it. Yeah, because like the whole point is that he's supposed to feel. Yeah, it's not necessarily and... ineffective. It was mm. just kind of annoying. Yeah, not your cup of tea. Yeah, yeah. I will say though, in terms of like my returning character bingo list, Tessa <laughs> the Reaper was not on there. <laughs> yeah, she's kind of a surprise. Yeah, but I'm glad that she comes back. I can't remember if we see her again. I want to say that maybe we do. It's just a nice story symmetry, honestly. Mm. Like, yeah. Although I kind of hate that she kissed Dean. I'm like, what was what the is point it with of that? Supernatural beings and like transferring and information and deals and like. Do you know what I want to see? You know that episode of Doctor Who where it's uh, Matt Smith's Doctor and he goes and he's Craig's flatmate and Craig yeah. is played by God. What's that British dude who's in everything? Corden. James Corden. Yeah. And. They, yeah, and he, like, headbutts him to transfer yeah. knowledge. That's what I want to see. I want to see a comedy bit <laughs> where, you know, that's how they transfer the memories. I don't know why they have to make out all the fucking time. Like, my dude. Like, What's wrong with a handshake? <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Or just, like, a synopsis, mm. you know? Or, like, an intense eye stare thing. Exactly. Like, exactly. Later in the series, Dean and Cass have entire conversations with their eyes alone. Which... Relevant to this episode. Relevant to this episode. Yes, it is. We got Cass back at the very end. His little five-minute cameo. <laughs> they really were like, we're going to hire Misha Collins just to give him five minutes in each episode. Like, yeah, genuinely. And it was worth every penny. <laughs> my notes around Cass, I think, are very funny. So I'm just going to read them verbatim, which okay. is, Cass is really out here being the most extra bitch. <laughs> he really just called Dean a contrary bitch. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're so right. Like, I love everything about that sort of, like, end sequence. Not, it's not the very end of the episode, but, you know, towards the back end. When everything from him striking <laughs> Alistair down with lightning, it's so funny because Alistair is, like, doing that whole, like, you can't run, Dean, not from me. I'm inside that angsty little noggin of yours, which is such a funny, like... Line on so many levels. Yeah, you know, I, I love the line. I love the delivery. I love everything. And you're like, oh no, this is like intense. Like Dean is cornered by himself in like, you know, the dark alley. And then he just gets struck by lightning and it is so out of the blue. But it's just so fun. And then when Dean says, what the hell? And Cass just goes, 
guess again. Like, the fucking comedic genius that he is. Oh, I love him. He's such a dramatic little shit. Oh, we also, we also learn that, do you remember I was saying when we talked in, uh, in the beginning about how we learned that the angels can just sort of be around and invisible and yeah. like, yes. So we learn here that Cass was doing that in this episode. He was yeah. being a sneaky spy and also that he was the one who called them to tell them about the yeah. case, not Bobby. So he's also good at impersonations, apparently. <laughs> we stand a triple threat. We do. <laughs> I do want to talk about the rest of their discussion as well. Which is Dean being like, if you want our help, why didn't you just ask? And Kat saying, because whatever I ask, you seem to do the exact opposite. That's my whole note about, uh, he really just called Dean a contrary bitch. I know, it's so funny. I just love how snarky he is. I love that he's like, well, I didn't ask you because you're a little shit. Because you wouldn't have fucking done it. Yeah, he's like, hmm, well, based on our prior interactions, it would not have been useful to me. No, it's it's very funny. I do love, though, that they've canonically now made it that Dean listens to nobody but Bobby. Yes, actually, that's a good point. Because, like, he didn't just impersonate anyone. No. He impersonated Bobby. Although he didn't speak to Dean, he spoke to Sam. True. Which is but, out, of, out of character for Cass, actually. Probably, that's, <laughs> that's probably why Dean wasn't suspicious. Good point. Because, like, Cass would never interact willingly with Sam. That's not how it works. He's Lucifer boy. Like, why would Cass interact with him? I do also love the very end of their discussion, uh, where Dean says, you made an exception for me. Cass just pauses for, like, a solid three, four, five seconds, then goes, you're different, and then refuses to comment more on that and just flies away. Cass is really good at avoiding, like... Oh, yeah. He just fucks off. If they ever ask him a question, he doesn't want to answer it. He just leaves. Goals. <laughs> is there anything that you wanted to say about Cass and or the angels and or heaven at this point while we're kind of on it? Oh, I do want to talk about angels specifically in that Reapers don't seem to really like angels. Like, Tessa is indifferent at best towards the angels. Mm, mm-hmm. She's sort of like, same shit, different name. Like... So Reapers are really interesting. So in this episode, we do get the line from Alistair where he says he borrowed the scythe from an old friend. You know, he doesn't really ride a white horse, but he does have three amigos and they're jonesing for the apocalypse. So that is obviously implying that he got the scythe from death and that death has the three amigos. So pestilence, war, and famine. famine. Yeah, so they're the other three horsemen of the apocalypse. And... What we can, what we get from Reapers, just sort of in general, is that they are kind of indifferent to everything that's going on politically. They don't care about taking sides. They have a job to do. That job is to maintain the natural order of things to the best of their ability. Death is not inherently good nor evil. It is necessary. Yes. And I do like that they took that approach with the Reapers. I'm glad that they're not painted as villains. I'm glad they're not painted as a thing that needs to be defeated. And if they are, it's in the context of Faith or in the context of 201, where it's not actually that the Reaper needs to be defeated. It's that either the person controlling the Reaper needs to be defeated or that the Reaper is purely misunderstood. Hmm. Okay, I want to call back to Season 2, Episode 1 of Leverage, in which... The team have decided to forcefully readopt Nate back in, and Nate goes up for a nap or whatever, comes down and goes, This is more. Because this is exactly what Sam has done in this episode. He got told, Don't do this anymore, but this is more. Yeah. This is very clearly more of whatever the fuck he was doing to be able to do the whole like exorcism with his mind thing. Mm-hmm. Which, given everything, I think we should be more sus about, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, are we, how are we Sam is very Sam? much like, oh, yeah, but I can do this with my mind. It's really good. Like, I can save these people. I can kill the demon and people are fine. Yeah. But given what we know, I think it's unlikely that when he's doing that, he's doing what he thinks he is. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, because it's sort of like there is certainly what he thinks he's doing. But given what all of the other characters around him are saying... And given the way he's so secretive about it, mm-hmm. how do we know what he's actually doing? 
we know what, what it looks like he's doing, but we don't actually know, like... To clarify, mm. when you're saying we don't know what he's doing, do you mean we don't know what he's doing to strengthen his power? I mean, we don't or do you know mean that. You don't, or do you mean we don't know what he's doing to the demons he's exercising? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's... I specifically... I know we don't know what he's doing to yeah. get stronger, but my point here specifically is we know what it looks like he's doing in terms of, like... Um, exercising the ghosts and sending him back, not the ghosts, the demons and sending him back to hell. Mm-hmm. But we don't actually have any, like... We can't ask them. We can't ask them. Like, <laughs> yeah. we have no actual proof that that is what he's doing and that he's not actually... Maybe he's just releasing them from their vessels. I'm imagining, like, I don't know. Have you watched Stranger Things? No. Okay. So there's this thing in Stranger Things. Spoilers if you haven't seen it. But essentially, there are these, like, monsters that are, like, made up of a... Like... There's this whole plot where basically these people are kind of like liquefied and then they become a monster. So like it's like yeah. all of these victims sploshed in together to form this like multi-flesh monster. It's pretty gross. That's kind of what I'm imagining. I'm imagining yeah. that Sam is exercising these demons and then they're all kind of hodgepodging together and becoming this sort of monolith that he doesn't know he's creating. You know? Super mega turbo K demon. Oh my god. <laughs> Like, we don't know if he's actually sending them back to hell or if he's just, like, temporarily we're, removing them from a body. We're kind of just taking Ruby's word on Yeah. That. Like, that's it. Like, we're taking Ruby's word. And it's not even, like, we're taking Ruby's word. Sam's taking Ruby's yeah. word. And then we're having to take Sam's word. But Sam mm. is lying to everyone. So. It's dodgy. It does a bit. And actually, Dean makes the point in this episode. Well, he makes a lot of points in this episode, actually. But the one in particular is... When he does ask Sam about Alistair and says, well, last time he could fling you pretty good, like, what's changed? And Sam gives him, like, the bullshit about, like, I don't know, kind of thing. Dean says outright to him, like, Sam, you can keep your little secrets. I can't really do anything to stop you. But please don't treat me like an idiot. And it's like, yeah. You've clearly done something. There is no way. Mm. Like, don't. I'm not stupid. Yeah. I know that you're lying to me. I know that you're doing something that you know I won't like. Mm-hmm. I can't stop you at this point, but just don't treat me like I'm stupid. And then Sam says, I'm not keeping secrets, like, you know, a secret keeper. <laughs> but yeah, so I think it's I think it's good that Dean does call him out and say to him, like, look, all right, I guess you're not going to listen to me. I guess that you're just going to keep doing this stupid thing that you're probably doing but at least don't treat me like a dumbass at least acknowledge that you are doing it if you're gonna do it acknowledge that you're doing it okay that was very deep and heavy and i want to talk about flawed by the lord (laughs) yes all god's glory fit to blog (laughs) i do love it i also love that the guy that they're interviewing in that scene Says specifically, I knew the Lord was giving me a second chance. I had this feeling like angels were watching over me. Dean has no idea what that's like. Jeremy Carver and Sarah Gamble sat down and had brunch. (laughs) And they decided. They didn't need Sam and (laughs) angels were a thing. Yes. (laughs) Look, I I can't believe that Jeremy Carver hating Sam is turning out to be a real thing. Like... (laughs) I made the joke because, like, they had an episode that didn't really need Sam as part of the functional of the story. And now it's just like, oh, you know. Did you wait till we hit season eight? Oh, I have a guess about your PSA. Okay. Yeah. Tessa says to Dean, mm-hmm. when they're talking about the angels versus demons, like, whole hoopla that's going mm-hmm. on, she says, I could care less. And that pisses me off. Because it's not the fucking... It doesn't make any fucking sense. That's not the phrase. If you could care less, it means you care a little bit. It means you have to care at least a bit. If you could care less, the phrase is I couldn't or I could not care less. Because Because you don't care at all. Because you don't care at all. And it drives me crazy. It happens all the time. Not just like in media, but in general life. People will say, I could care less. And I'm like, that, you don't, you're not making any fucking sense. It drives me batshit. Every time 
Every time, and I watched, I watched this with subtitles on, and it's she not, definitely says it's could not care less. just no. the actress saying I, I could care less. The subtitles also say I could care less, and it's so annoying. <laughs> and I recognise this is like the tiniest little nitpicky thing, but it is my my guess at the PSA today is that that's not the fucking phrase. It doesn't make any sense. It's I couldn't care less. Okay, so Jamie's PSA for the day. Mm. I was tossing up between two. I was for a long okay. time. And that was one of them. So that's okay. what I'm going to go with because I'm going to give you the win. <gasps> really? Yeah, that annoyed the shit out of me. I made a specific <laughs> note about it. I was like, Same. it's I couldn't care less because if you could care less, it implies that you care at least a bit. Yeah. Whereas if you couldn't care less, it means that you don't care at all. So you're like, there is physically no way to care less. About. Yes. Yes. Yes, thank you. I'm so glad it's not just me that who gets driven insane. It annoys by that. me so much, mm-hmm. so much. Mm-hmm. And also, I feel like it's maybe like an American thing. Cause I like, have no idea. Like everyone, like anyone I've ever spoken to in like real life. So anyone in Australia has mm-hmm. always said I couldn't care less. Yeah, but I, I see it a lot in American media where they have it as I could, could care, care less, and it just doesn't, it doesn't make any fucking sense. I don't understand. Like, I, anyway, I'll take the win. Okay, I do want to say, though, at the top of this episode, uh-huh. the only thing I could fucking think was, ah, yes, a mystery spot where the rules of physics don't apply. <laughs> That's fair. Actually, my note from the top of the episode is that Dean is being entirely unhelpful. Like, literally everything Sam says seems like, I don't know. And then you kind of learn that he's doing it on purpose to, like, take the piss because then he does the whole... Are you sure you want me coming with you? Because he is still pissy about last episode. And Sam does the whole, like, how many times do I have to tell you? Like, that was the siren. It wasn't me. But like we discussed in that last episode, we have to assume it was Sam saying those things. And Dean knows that. Because Dean was also under the persuasion of the siren. So he knows what the siren could and could not make you say. Yeah, like exactly. And also... This, I think, feeds into the whole Sam is lying. And Dean knows. Like, Sam, this is what I'm saying. I don't think Sam told the truth once this entire like, episode. Sam, sweetie, baby, you're a bad liar. The fact that he thinks he can lie to Dean, of all people. The audacity. <laughs> it's the fucking arrogance of Sam. I, sw- I love Sam. I feel like maybe that message gets lost in this podcast. I do love Sam. But by golly, that boy is making some choices. I'm sorry. At that at this point, that man is of like a dumpster fire of a man. Like, <laughs> if there's a wrong choice he can make, he is currently making it. Yeah. I think what's really interesting is like how much Sam has changed in three seasons. And actually... Actually, how much Sam has changed in one and a half seasons? Like, just from beginning of season three to now the middle, sort of towards the end of season four. The amount that he has changed in that span of time is immense. Think about Sam season one right now for a second and compare it to Sam in the episode we just watched. Jamie's having another facial journey. (laughs) Okay, so you've got to remember, though, what happens in the season two finale. Sam dies. Exactly. Coincidence? <laughs> I think not! <laughs> Jamie's having thoughts and feelings. And like, yeah, it's like slowly and slowly and slowly since then, mm-hmm. he's just gotten like worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And like whether that's how like How do you f- know what you brought back is really Sam? And how do we know that that's just a function of his absolutely shit mental health mm-hmm. and not something... Weird going on with Sam. Something hinky is happening with Sam. While we're talking about Sam again, I want to talk about the discussion in the graveyard where Dean is saying, like, this job is jacked. You want me to gank a monster or torture corpse? Well, let's light it up, right? But this, we fix whatever this is and people are going to start dropping dead. Good people. And Sam makes a point of, like, I don't want them to die either, but, you know, there's a natural order. To which Dean literally laughs at him. (laughs) Which is fucking fair and valid. Because I also laughed. (laughs) No, you know what though? I I think it's fair enough that Sam makes that point. At this point, Sam is the only one who has not chosen to make a deal. Hmm. Everyone else in the family... Mm -hmm. Has chosen... But but Sam has not at this point chosen to circumvent death. Death. 
Someone has made that decision for him. Someone has made that decision for him. (laughs) Dean. Yeah. But Sam has not made that decision for himself. Yeah. Actually, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. So I think it's it's perfectly fine and valid that Sam's decided to make that point. Mm Mm-hmm. Because Sam is the only one who up until this point has not tried to cheat death in any way. Mm. The only way he even come close was when he was trying to help Dean find a way out of his deal. Or after Dean had died and he was trying to swap their places and no one would let him. But even then you could argue that that's just trying to revert it to the way it should have been been before Dean meddled. Yeah, so returning it to the quote-unquote natural order. Yes. Anyway, I do think that's a valid point. I hadn't thought about it that way. So yes, okay, maybe Sam is a little bit valid in that moment. But then Dean says his point, which is, you're kidding, right? You don't see the irony in that. We're like the poster boys of the unnatural order. And I just think that's a really funny line. I just, there's another universe somewhere where Supernatural is called the unnatural order. And they literally are the poster boys. And I think But also, I think that would probably be a better show. (laughs) The reason I want to talk about this scene is actually none of that. But this next line, which is Sam saying, yeah, but the normal rules don't really apply to us, do they? That's where baby boy Sam no longer has a point. Yeah. Because I'm sorry, mate, but the normal rules apply to you. And if you thought the normal rules applied to you, maybe you wouldn't be doing whatever the fuck it is you're doing. Yes. It really reminds me of the mentality that we saw in False and Prison Blues, where Dean fully integrated with the prison, fully was bored with you know life there and sam had that whole thing of they're not innocent people that we're saving here and dean was like well what are you talking about like they don't deserve the death penalty and then later in the episode sam asking you know doesn't it worry you how easy you fit in here and dean being like not really and i think it comes back to what we were talking about last episode with hannah and beth which is just the arrogance of sam winchester thinking that he is better than these other people around him Though I do say we get the really fun line out of that, which is, all we do is ditch death. Yeah. (laughs) I do think Sam does make a good follow-up point, which is, you know, when Dean says, we're no no different to anybody else. And I think what he means by that is we're not more important than Mm. anybody else, because I, like, clearly they are different. Yeah. Like, clearly they have different life experiences, and they have a lot more information than the general person. But I think what he means is we're not better or we're not more important. And Sam comes back with, I'm infected with demon blood. (laughs) Which I do think is very funny of him. (laughs) Look, I just, I honestly hope to God at this point that he is drinking the demon blood bubble tea. Yeah. (laughs) And so like, at this point, he no longer gets to say like, I'm infected with demon blood. It's like, mate, at this point you've brought it on yourself. Yeah. Like, because yeah, the whole point is that like, he didn't get a choice. Like he's like, this was done to me. But if he then is like, actually, I'm going to go drink a gallon of blood. Like it's no longer being done to him. Okay. So I have a theory. Oh, okay. I've just thought of the theory. It's probably wrong, but I have a theory. Okay. So we know that like Azazel was like really heavily involved in like, not necessarily, but, like, was involved with, like, Sam growing up and stuff. And, like, he didn't just, like, yes. give a bunch of babies demon bloods and then, like, nope out yeah. for the next 20-odd years until they were old enough to participate in the Demon Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. He was keeping tabs. What if they were getting, like, a little bit more demon blood each year? I think we've talked about this before. Like, like every six months or something. Like, what if they were getting, like... yeah. Like, booster doses. Like, booster doses. Yeah. And, like, he had to do it, like, in increments so the body could deal with it. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that's why, like, it come to a head. Like, when they were all 22, that's when they, like, the blood had reached. Like, like maximum potency. Potent levels. Like, yeah. that's when it was most efficient, almost. Mm. Um, Like, once it had hit, like, the point where it was starting to manifest into powers. And then, like, moving fo- forward from that... What if, like, from that point on, the reason that after the Demon Hunger Games we didn't really see Sam's powers is because he wasn't getting... Oh, Azazel isn't topping him up. Yeah, like, so he doesn't have that sort of, like... You know, like, there is no reason for him to be consuming demon blood if you've no longer got Azazel, like, sneaking it into his... Dripping it in his mouth while he sleeps. Disgusting. From there, it's like, that's why the power started to fade. And then it's like, Ruby's just convinced him to start... 
sort of of his own volition. Mm. And, like, the demon blood would have just faded out of his bloodstream over time if he'd just left it. Yeah. But, like, now he's sort of making the conscious decision to, like... Top it up. Yeah. It's really interesting. I I kind of like this idea that it's something that if he just left it alone or, like, it wasn't being topped up yeah. in some fashion, it would just kind of go away, like, dissipate like yeah. a drug. I do think that's really interesting. Demon blood is steroids theory. <laughs> I love that you oscillate between calling it the demon blood bubble tea and demon blood like crack addiction or demon blood like steroids or protein Let's shakes. face it, some bubble tea is so good it could be crack. <laughs> That's what they put in those little balls. <laughs> Tapioca? I think not. <laughs> Any questions about my theory? Let me think on that for a sec. Because it's like, it's not a new theory. It's just like an, an evolution. Of we theory, haven't you know? really revisited it recently, though. No. And this is probably a good point to revisit it because we're sort of like just after the mid of the season. Something is clearly up with Sam. It's and clearly like, related the way to they're powers. building it up at this point, surely we're going to have a reveal in the next, like, I would say five to ten episodes. Mm. Well, ten episodes will be next season. Yes. That's what I mean. Like, we're either going to find out by the end of this season or by the start of the next. Like, mm. But in the first sort of half yeah. of the next one, I would say. Okay. It is based on the way they're, they're bringing like, it really to the forefront. I don't think I have any other questions. I think you've basically summarised it very nicely. If I think of anything, I'll yeah. let you know. But no, and then like it opens up a whole bunch of avenues towards like Azazel and how Azazel was monitoring the children. Mm-hmm. I still think it'd be way funnier though if is is if each demon sort of chose a single like special child and that it was like like a beauty pageant but for like fucking special children you know what I mean <laughs> yes you, you know so like they each had their own entrant like yes I mean obviously we know that's kind not... of like the night circus yeah I want to talk about the fact that there was an outsider's reference mm-hmm. in this episode so Pam is talking to the boys about the angels and the demons and she makes reference to the Greases and the Socias. For those who don't know, The Outsiders is a book written by S.E. Hinton, and at least in this country, uh, Australia that is, it is one of those books that like is really common you have to read through school. But I think it's really interesting that that is the reference they went with, because the author, S.E. Hinton, is a known supernatural fan. So I thought it was funny that they referenced The Outsiders of all books, and it is interesting Basically, the premise is that they're basically rival gangs in this, like, neighbourhood. And so it's definitely interesting that she would reference that in regards to the angels and the demons. Um, I also want to quickly mention that Pam refers to Dean as Chachi. And I did Google who is Chachi. (laughs) And apparently Chachi is a character from Happy Days. Okay. Apparently they are the younger cousin of Fonzie. Okay. That's so. <laughs> an option, I guess. Yeah. So what is it with this show and having characters die from stab wounds that are easily treated with first aid? Boy, oh boy, Jamie, that's one hell of a question. Because Pam. I know. Is stabbed and instead of just like. I know. Going to a hospital while they have time and having her wound tended to. Yeah, I know. Decides to get a drink, which is a terrible advice. <laughs> Alcohol thins your blood and reduces its capacity for clotting. Oh, good lord. Look, here's the thing. Pam's death pisses me off because it was unnecessary and she was yet another excellent female character who gets killed for no reason other than to further the boy's trauma. And that bugs me. But But also they could have furthered their trauma without killing her. I know. Just the fact that she gets stabbed is enough. Yeah, because they put her at risk again after she was already blinded. Yeah. Like, yeah. The thing, though, that I do like about her ending, I hate that her this was her ending just in general. Yeah. But the thing that I do appreciate is she does, to a great extent, go out on her own terms. Yeah. Like, she doesn't die telling them that it's okay. No. She doesn't die with forgiveness in her, like, final she words. She t- dies telling Sam that he's a piece of fucking shit. Yeah, she dies pissed off. Like, she dies, she, literally, she dies mad about it. Yeah. And she she makes the point. She's like, tell Bobby that he is, like, a piece of shit forever involving me in this. 
she's like on in no uncertain terms i blame you guys for the fact that this is how i've ended up and like we talked a lot about how in the second episode of the season it seemed unfair that the characters who were brought back to sort of torture sam dean and bobby were blaming them for their deaths but in this instance Valid. Valid. Like, I think, obviously, they weren't the ones who stabbed her. Like, ultimately, it is not their direct fault that she died. However, the three times they involved her, at any point, she was either heavily traumatized, blinded, or killed. And the blinding was also heavily traumatizing. Like, you know, I think Pam died mad, and I think she's valid in that. Yeah. I also like to think that her and Tessa had a quick bitch session <laughs> before, before Tessa. she moved off. Like, <laughs> I want to know why they didn't secure the hotel room before doing this bullshit. Yeah, you would think that like, they would have Like, because she's going around, like, relocking the doors and stuff. Yeah. It's like... You think they would have chosen a more secure location? Lock all the doors, put salt line downs at every entry point, mm-hmm. put fucking devil's traps under the windows and shit. Yeah. And Pam can just chill there especially because at this point you know that uh, alistair is around yeah doesn't make any sense and that they also know that while they're not in their bodies they are vulnerable and like no offense to pam pam is very capable but like also pam is a single person against one of the most many demons yeah exactly and she's not only trying to defend herself but also two unconscious people like it's not just about her getting out alive it's about her not getting their bodies killed yeah exactly it's about so much more and it's yeah it's it's ridiculous i do want to hark back to season two yeah episode 18 okay yeah hollywood babylon Uh yep and the quote how do the ghosts hear the chanting in hell they must have super hearing and i want to remind you that that was them making fun of themselves And then we have this episode, a couple of seasons later. Maybe it's Demon Invisible Ink, and you can only see it in the veil. (laughs) It's the same thing. It is the same thing. Why don't they just say, maybe you can only see spell work when you're, like... It's so funny. (laughs) But Demon Invisible Ink is what they went with. Demon Invisible Ink is what they went with. Maybe you can only see it in the veil. And I was like, this is exactly the same. As how do they hear the chanting in hell? Maybe they have super hearing. It's the same concept and it's so funny. But what we do learn later in the episode is that it is not just Demon Invisible Ink. It is actually angel proofing, which we also hear referred to as angel warding, which we also hear referred to as like Enochian warding or Enochian sigils. And this is something that will be like recurring through the seasons from this point on. And I, I didn't ask you before because we kind of got off topic, but how how are you feeling about Cass? We're now most of the way, we're over the halfway point for season four. Okay, so we just recorded an episode for Leverage mm-hmm. before this. We mm-hmm. recorded 210 for Leverage. Yes. Which Parker has a line in that episode. And I'm like, oh, I can see Cass saying that. Yes. So, like, it's like, oh, yeah, I can see why people said Cass would be my friend because, like, yeah, verbatim, I could 100% see, like, that it's a line and it's literally, like, a character says that they're getting left out of reindeer games and Parker's like, how would they even keep score? Like, do they mark it in the snow? But then what kind of maths would they use? It's like, <laughs> I, I can see, like, just the way his entire entrance was predicated on, like, you know, what the hell or whatever, and guess again. Yeah. Like, here is a man who takes things too literally. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you're not wrong. He's a very literal character, especially in the first few seasons. He seems like he's kind of like five years old, but also like Ancient. 70. Like, yes. like, you know what I mean? Like, it's sort of like he's like old man grumpy uh-huh. while knowing nothing. Like, yeah. <laughs> There's actually kind of an apt description because he's eons old. Like, he was around for the beginning, you know, but also he hasn't been on Earth in minimum 2,000 years. No, we went to the beginning. That was only the 70s. Oh, haha, very funny. You know what I mean. The biblical beginning. <laughs> but, yeah, he he's not been on Earth in minimum 2,000 years. Yeah. And so he's like, I don't really know what's going on, you know? 
But are we feeling good about Cass? Are we... Yeah, I'm liking him so far. Like, I'm still sort of waiting to, like... We're still really only getting, like, five-minute cameos. Yeah. I kind of want more. We keep on getting, like, little bits and bobs from him. But, like, like which obviously, like, is... The fact that you want more of anything in Supernatural is an achievement well, people keep on telling itself. me that I'm going to like Cass. So I'm just, like, waiting to get to the point where I'm like, ah, yes. I can see why everyone wanted me to get to Cass. Like, mm-hmm. he's fine. He's a very fun character at this point. But it's like, we know, like, four things about him. Cass is an extra dramatic bitch. <laughs> yeah. Cass doesn't have a concept of personal space. Yes. He reads Dean for filth. Yes. And, like, he's just kind of clueless about pop culture. Like, that's yes. all we know about him so far. To be fair, four main facets of his personality. So it's like, I'm just sort of <laughs> waiting to get, like, an actual personality from him. Yeah. You want to have him around for more than five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I want him to, like... Talk to Dean about something that isn't the end of the world. You know what I mean? Like, like because at this point, every conversation is, like, vaguely threatening. That's true. I do also want to touch on just the angels in general and how Dean is feeling about them. Because he does say a couple of times in this episode that, like, he feels like he's been given a second chance and, like, you know, someone upstairs has taken this chance on him and like bits and pieces and then at the end of the episode tessa says to him stop lying to yourself the angels have something good in store for you a second chance really i'm pretty sure deep down you know something nasty is coming trust your instincts there is no such thing as miracles because mm. like yeah we've sort of established at this point that even if the angels are the good guys we've already established that they want a soldier Mm. They want a leader. They're not just saving Dean because, you know, it was unjust the way he died or whatever. Like, it wasn't... It's not out of the goodness of their hearts. It's not out of the goodness of their hearts. They have brought him back from hell for for a purpose. Yeah. For a reason. Yeah. And it's not necessarily going to be pleasant for Dean. Mm. Like, even if... The only reason they brought him back is because they want to restore balance to the world or whatever, and they need someone to fight in their war for them. Like, I, don't, I almost don't know why I'm bothering asking you at this point, but did you notice Dean's theme in this episode? Dean's theme was in this episode. Yes, Dean's theme was in this episode. When he is talking to Tessa, and he is saying about how someone upstairs decided to give him a second chance, and he's talking about how he would have gone with her in season two. And how he's talking about how, like, he felt like there was something Mm -hmm. missing and he could never put his finger on it. That whole monologue that he is doing is undercut with his theme. Okay. And it's a beautiful piece of music. And by God, at some point, I will get you to fucking hear it. I I just, I I think it's because I don't know what it sounds like. So, like, I don't know, like, what I'm listening for. You know what I mean? Well, okay, once we finish recording, I will pull up that scene and I will just show it to you. Okay. And then you'll know. Speaking of Tessa, at the very end of the episode, now Mm -hmm. I don't know if this is just because of the blue filter or what, but when she's wearing the dress, I just look at that and I'm like, I just feel like you must be so cold. You know? Like, she looks like she would be freezing. Like, maybe she doesn't feel cold, which is, like, valid because she's a supernatural being. But, like... It makes me feel cold yeah. looking at her. Like, in, like, the strappy sundress mm. while everyone else is, like, wearing 12 layers. This show just makes costume design choices. I, I don't know how else to explain it. It's like, oh, yeah. Not so much for the brothers. The brothers is, like, very, very standard. And, of course, you got Cass who wears literally the exact yeah. same thing. Cass doesn't ever change. So I don't think that, like, helps, really. Which, honestly, for someone who's extra as Kaz, like, the fact that he doesn't change outfits, like, every yeah. two minutes is, like, kind of OOC, you know what I mean? Like, if you were to ever write, like, Kaz as a human. Like changing an, outfits like every Like an hour. AU or something. Like, he's like, did you ever have a friend in high school who was, like, you'd see them and then you'd see them two hours later and they're in a different outfit? You. <laughs> I was not that bad. <laughs> I resent your implication of that. That was really mean to me specifically. But but no, you know that like you everyone's got yeah. like that one friend and it's like 
Yeah. It's like, do you ever re-wear the same clothes? Like, yeah, exactly. Like, fucking Cass would be, like, steed with his second goddamn wardrobe. Oh my god, you're so right. Yes. <laughs> his auxiliary closet. Like, I'm sorry. No, that, don't apologise. That <laughs> character is an extra bitch. He enters rooms by making all of the light bulbs explode. Like, there is no way in hell he does not own. Like, I know we've got Rowena coming later up who's, like, a very extra character. Fashion and like, icon, yes. Fashion icon. Like, every outfit she wears is impeccable because I've seen stills from the show. Mm-hmm. And, like, she's always, like, looking impeccable. And Ruth Connell is a goddess, so it's... Yeah. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, why why did Cass not get that? Yeah, look, there are very few opportunities we get throughout the seasons where Cass is wearing anything other than his, like, standard trench coat ensemble. And I'm pretty sure just about every time it's because something is up. Like, it's not, like, standard cast. It's, like, either there is there is something going on, yeah. you know? And it's like, Misha, but it's not mm, Cass, necessarily. He needs, like, a trench coat that's, like, floor-length for the train. Dude, have you seen the fucking Met Gala Misha Photoshop? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I just, I don't know, I just feel like it's, like, they've done everything else to establish this character as extra. Yeah. It's, like, where is his glitter? They Where needed to his, draw the line somewhere. Like, I was like, doesn't Dean describe him as like a holy tax accountant? I feel like we need to see Misha Collins as Cass in like all absolutely hideous outfits. Don't get me wrong. I don't think that boy has a sense of style <laughs> to save himself. But like the most extra shit you've ever seen. Like, yeah. I want Cass in an Udian Crocs. Yeah. <laughs> and like Fleur are in short shorts. Yes. <laughs> And I imagine you're like the avocado Udi as well. Oh, yes. That's yeah. a fucking vibe. Avocado Udi, bright, like fur, like the ones that the tradies wear. Yes. You know, you know. Yes. The, yeah. Yeah. Those short shorts and then like Crocs. Yeah. And they've got to be like green with all of the charms. Fashion icon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I want to quickly mention that Dean says to Pam that he'd rather be watching Judge Judy at that given moment. And I just would like to point out that this means that canonically Dean has watched both Oprah and Judge Judy. And I just, wow, daytime TV is really a, Dean's a real fan, I suppose. Oh, and also Dean's plan, which is if ghosts are the only ones who can see them, then we become ghosts. Now, what if I was to tell you that this is not the only time that Dean proposes basically this exact plan? Suicidal ideation. Suicidal ideation, which ties back into the whole thing about... Easily treatable stab wounds. Easily treatable stab wounds. (laughs) Jesus Christ, Jamie. (laughs) You have no idea how sad that just made me, because we're going to get there. Not today. In a few years, we'll get there. About Dean's suicidal ideation and easily treatable stab wounds, but... When it comes to him talking to Tessa and him saying that, you know, he would have gone with her and, like, these yeah. things, it does confirm what we talked about way back when in episodes like Croatoan, where Dean was saying, you know, like, this job, this mm-hmm. life, I'm over it, I'm tired, basically saying I'm ready to die at the ripe old age of, like, 26, yeah. you know? And so it does really tie back to it, this, like, disregard he kind of has for his own... No, I get it. Look, I'm I'm 25 now. I'm too old for Leonardo DiCaprio to date me. <laughs> yeah, I've got less than 12 months left. <laughs> Once you're too old for, to date Leonardo DiCaprio. What's then? the point? Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I also love Dean being like, this is not what it looks like. It's not devil worship. It's, ah, uh, I don't have a good answer. I was like... I've been there, not with devil worship, but, like, I've been there where someone's been like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know how to explain this to you. It's very fun. Oh, also, we learn that Dean can get concussions, just apparently Lee, not Sam. Sam. How buff is Sam, actually? How buff is Sam, actually? The demon blood strikes again. And actually, okay, here's my thing. So, other than the fact that we talked very briefly earlier about how, obviously, if they're out of their meat suit, their powers are, like, the psychics, like, struggle or whatever. Yeah. I, it is interesting to me that Sam... We don't actually get to see Sam trying to move things with his mind. Mm. We only see Dean out when they're on the porch. Yeah. Like, Sam was just kind of hanging back. 
And I, I do wonder if we had got to see Sam try and do that, if the fact that he is vaguely telekinetic, if that would have actually helped him at all. Yeah. I also wonder if, like, since he's been on his new diet of, like, demon monk steroids. <laughs> yeah. If, like, sure. he started to get all of, like, the powers that we saw they were capable of possessing based on demon blood. Mm, because, like... Like the super strength. And, like, the, like, because, like legitimately like how buff is Sam, Sam actually like is super strength one of the things where with more exposure to demon blood and more time like it can develop mm. but also like because we've already started to see him develop some of the skills that like Ava had namely the controlling demons, demons. part of yeah it. so I wonder but then there's also like the other ones like mind control like Andy had yeah. and the electric touch and the instant death touch yeah and like, there's a whole bunch that yeah. we haven't really gotten answers no. about. We've really only seen the controlling demons thing, which, to be fair, I wonder if that's, like, because you had to sort of practice the skills, yeah. and Sam's not exactly, pre- well, not that we know of, is not exactly practicing electrocuting people with his hands, you know? Like, he is practicing exorcisms. We've seen yeah. that with Ruby. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it is a thought, though. Like, theoretically, I suppose, if that's the, like, route we're going down, not to be too Australian mean, but every time, like, I, I don't want to say route, because route sounds weird, but root just makes me think of, like, rooting somebody. Yeah. Mm, look. Not technically, be- he is rooting Ruby, so I guess. Technically, they're rooting. One last thing that I did want to touch on is how vulnerable Dean is with kids. I just love the scene where he says to Cole, you know, it's okay to be scared. We're all scared. That's the big secret. And I think that's really interesting because so often we see Dean say, like, I'm not scared of you. I'm not scared of anything. Like, that posturing. Mm. And we know he's scared. We know he's, like, especially all through season three, we're like, we know you're fucking terrified. Stop lying about it. But in this scenario, he's able to say, like, no, like, that's the thing. We are all so scared. All of us, all the time. That's, like, the big secret. But also just the juxtaposition of Dean being like, I'm going to be emotionally vulnerable with this kid. And Sam being, I'm going to gaslight the hell out of this motherfucker. Genuinely. The peace sign that Jamie just threw that no one else could see really made that. Yeah, it's the difference between Sam and Dean and their approach. And also the way that Dean is leaning into telling the truth right now. And Sam is clearly leaning into just not telling anyone anything. It's certainly very interesting. I do think something else that is fascinating is that when Cole asks if Dean is going as well, mm. he says, I'm sure I'll be there sooner than you think. Which tied in with the whole suicidal ideation and the points that Dean has made and that we've discussed about expecting to die young. That is not surprising, but it is very sad. It is how the kids say. Big yikes. <laughs> One last thing that I did want to touch on mm-hmm. is... The at the end of the episode, they do do a dedication to Kim Manners, who passed away during the season, obviously, and they do dedicate the entire season to him, yeah. not just an episode. But and obviously, this was the first episode after he'd passed that, uh, like that released, yeah, post like, his death. So yeah. I did want to touch on that through the season so far. We've like talked a lot about Kim Manners and his direction, and it generally is very well regarded. I think at some point in our first season, we even went back and figured out exactly how much of Supernatural he had directed. Which, considering he which was, a considerable was only amount. physically capable of yeah. directing the first three and a half seasons, seasons sort of yeah. thing, is a remarkable amount. Yeah. Like, considering the show ran for 15 seasons, he was still, like... In the top five. In the top five for a number of episodes directed. directed which is crazy. So, anyway, it's obviously... This is old news i suppose now no one is is shocked or surprised but i did think it was worth mentioning that yes they have dedicated the whole season to him and it is it is it was a big loss for the show in production but also um obviously for you know the crew personally anywho that brings us to the end of the episode jamie how would you rate season four episode 15 death takes a holiday out of five i think i'm gonna give it three out of five yeah like it was fine it didn't give me enough new information that I was like, ah, like, yeah, this was really satisfying from, like, a storytelling and payoff pers- like perspective. Like, it wasn't a bad episode, but also I didn't really... It was more of a character development episode, which, as we all know, is not 
I don't rate character development episodes very highly. Like, I'm just not a character development episode sort of girl. Like, that is not what I'm watching my media for. I like episodes that are still fun and then they just have some character development on the side. Like, I don't like episodes like this, which are, like, as much as it was, like, sort of furthering the main plot a little bit and it was kind of also, like, a Monster of the Week episode at the same time, the vibes were wrong on this one for me. The next episode is called On the Head of a Pin. Do you have any thoughts, feelings, predictions, fears, hopes, dreams? Okay, so this episode is either going to slap or be shit because I've heard the name On the Head of a Pin so often. To go into actual, like, predictions for it, I do know there is, like, a a saying about, like, how many angels can dance on the head of the pin, Mm. something like that. So, like, I'm imagining we're going to get, like, an angel-heavy episode, like... Whether, whether we actually physically see angels a lot or, uh, like, we it's just, like, a mission from the angels or something. Mm. Like, even, like, a like whether it's, like, a 409, 410 sort of situation or if it's more like a, you know, 403. But, like, I do think, like, the angels are going to be very prevalent. prevalent over this episode. They've also now got Alistair, so, like, maybe that's going to tie into it. Like, at this point, it's sort of like they're, the filler episodes are fewer and farther between. Yeah. So, like, I feel like it's actually going to be, like, a main plot episode of, like, the the show rather than, like, a filler monster of the week sort of episode. Especially considering we're getting near the pointy end of the fourth season. Yeah, we are coming up to the end. So it'll be, I mean, episode 16. So by the time we finish with that one, there will only be six episodes left this season. That just about does it for today's episode. So if you wanted to interact with us at all outside of listening to us blab on in your ear for about an hour every week, you can always find us on any and all of our social medias. All of the links are in the description below, as well as the link to our other podcast, Thief Steals the Podcast, if you wanted to check us out over there, where Jamie is dragging me through leverage. And it's yeah. a good time. If you like Cass, you're going to love Parker. Yeah, I will second that. <laughs> And yeah, if you wanted to come and chat with us, obviously you can. Um, topics for conversation could include how pissy you would be if you were Pam in this episode. Oh yeah, that's a like good point. the fact she even agrees at all. I would have been like, yeah, nah, bitch, I'm out. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, what outfits do you think dramatic extra bitch Cass should wear? <laughs> oh, I want to know how many impersonations Cass can do. I want to. I want to see Cass's Bobby impersonation. I would love to see Cass you know, impersonate the brothers. Do you know like the the videos that used to go viral on like YouTube and that were like one actress, sixteen voices, oh, and just yeah. like uh-huh. like d- d- like I just want one of them of Misha Collins just going through like every other supernatural character. <laughs> yes, I love that. Like he does, like yeah, like Bobby, the brothers, Missouri. You've got to bring in like Ruby. And like Meg, Meg and John, you, you've got to bring in John, obviously Mary, mm-hmm. even Everyone. like like Crowley and Rowena. Supernatural, but and every like, character is played by Misha Collins. Yes. Actually, do you know my favorite thing? It's my fa- one of my favorite takes I've seen on Tumblr is that someone was like, "I would love to see the entirety of Supernatural recreated, except every single character is a Muppet, except Cass, who is still played by Misha Collins." <laughs> I I second that, but in. The, yes, they're all Muppets, mm-hmm. but Misha Collins is voicing all of them. <laughs> Actually, there was a, a panel, I think, either just after the uh, season 15 finished airing or just as season 15 was airing, where Jensen and, and Misha were talking about how the show was ending. And I think Misha made the joke that they would continue Supernatural as a puppet show in one of their backyards and like upload it to YouTube or something. So you're actually not far off. Obviously, instead, Jensen channeled his uh, creative energy, let's say, into the prequel. But yes, the the Supernatural Backyard Puppet Show was also on the table. (laughs) Anyway, thank you so much for listening, and hopefully we have you back next week. Bye. Bye!